Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Come Follow Me Today, a brief message to help us experience an additional spiritual moment in our otherwise complicated lives. My name is Caleb Sanford, and thank you for joining me as we accept Christ's invitation to follow him today. Well, the story of Israel continues to roll forward in the Old Testament, and we're now in the days of Samuel the prophet. The people of Israel have decided that the system of judges wasn't working for them, and they wanted a king. Even though Samuel warned them of the corruption that could happen with a monarchy, the people continued to beg him for a king. And eventually, the Lord tells Samuel to give in to him, give him what they want. So Samuel anoints Saul, a good and worthy man, to become king. But just like Samuel had predicted, the power begins to go to Saul's head. And eventually, he makes a mistake in the Lord's eyes that causes him to lose favor with God. And Samuel is then instructed to go find a new king and anoint a future king of Israel. The Lord directs him to the house of Jesse, the grandson of Ruth, who we learned about in the last episode, who has many sons to choose from. But as Samuel reviews each of Jesse's oldest seven children, all of which appear big and strong and king-like, the Lord tells Samuel to keep looking. Quote, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. End quote. This is a good reminder to all of us that the Lord is more interested in what's in our hearts than how we look physically or how successful we are in our lives. So Samuel eventually finds David, the youngest son of Jesse, and after receiving confirmation from the Lord, anoints him as the future king of Israel. Now let's fast forward a bit, and Israel is now in the middle of a significant war over land with the Philistines. The two armies have gathered their strength near each other on the battlefield, and the Philistines have called forth their champion, Goliath, to fight for them. Goliath is kind of a punk. Every day he comes to the front of the battlefield and spews out verbal filth and abuse towards the Israelites, challenging them to send an Israelite champion to fight him one-on-one on the battlefield. What are the stakes? Quote, if he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. End quote. Oh, and Goliath happens to also be nine feet tall and is a massive giant of a man. Not exactly a fair fight. So after 40 days of this, with Goliath verbally abusing the Israelites each day, David is sent by his father, Jesse, to bring some supplies to his brothers who are at the front lines. When David hears Goliath ranting at the front of the battlefield, he can't take it. Quote, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? End quote. He then goes to King Saul to volunteer to be the Israelite champion. Quote, Let no man's heart fail because of Goliath. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. End quote. Well, as David is still a youth and perhaps not even fully grown, King Saul understandably denies David's request to fight. After all, if David were to lose, the Israelites would have to be the servants of the Philistines. But David explains to Saul how he single-handedly slew a lion and a bear to protect his sheep and shows how much faith he has in the Lord's power to protect him. Quote, Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, The Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. 
And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. End quote. This must have been one heck of a speech that David gave. Maybe through David's confidence in God, Saul was reminded of his own faith in God and how the Lord had protected him and the Israelites in past battles. And so in an act of faith, Saul allows David to go. Well, we all know how the story goes from here. David meets Goliath in battle, and after Goliath gets done trash-talking him, David gives his famous line, quote, Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand. End quote. David then takes up a stone into his sling, and as Goliath charges him, he lodges it into his skull, killing Goliath instantly and allowing the Israelites to proceed to rout the rest of the Philistine army. Well, the story of David and Goliath is obviously a really cool story about having faith and confidence in the Lord, even when the odds seem stacked against you. Trusting that the Lord will deliver us and enable us to do his work, just as he has countless times in the past. Hopefully, you and I can recognize the hand of the Lord in our lives and be able to trust that God's hand will still be with us the next time we have to confront a challenging situation. But for me, the interesting part of this story actually happens before David goes out to the battle. After Saul agrees to let David represent Israel on the battlefield, he wants to make sure that David is as prepared as possible. He gives David his own armor to wear, very likely the nicest set of armor in the kingdom, and gives him his helmet and even his sword. Essentially, even though Saul was delegating the task of fighting Goliath to David, he wanted David to fight him the same way that Saul would have fought, armored to the teeth with a big sword. Quote, And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. End quote. Basically, David was like, look, Saul, this isn't how I fight. If you want me to be successful, I need to do this my way. Well, it was one thing for Saul to have faith in David, but to watch him go out to battle with no armor, carrying just a wooden stick and a sling meant for killing rabbits, well, this had to have been nearly impossible for Saul to watch. So there's a lesson here for you and I as parents, or as leaders in church, or as managers in companies. You and I can't do everything for everyone. We have to allow others to serve. We have to allow others to participate in the work and even take charge of things. We have to allow our kids to make their own choices and to take responsibility for their lives as they get older. Well, it can take a lot of faith to hand over the reins to someone else. But as we do this, we need to be careful that we don't try to just make them mini versions of ourselves. We can't impose on others that they do things the same way that we would, because what works for us might not work for them. We're different people with different strengths. We need to give the people we work with and the children we parent the freedom to do things their way, to utilize their strengths, because as in the case of David, their ways may just work better. We can provide guidance, advice, and feedback as leaders and parents, but at the end of the day, it's them that have to go out onto the battlefield, not us. 
In other words, if we try to impose our experiences on those that we're delegating responsibility to and tell them they need to wear our armor and use our weapons to be successful, it's likely they might fail because they don't have the same training and experience we have wearing chainmail and swinging a sword. But they may be a pro at whipping stones from a sling, something that you and I may never have even heard of. Well, there's so many of Heavenly Father's children out there that need help. In our homes, in our churches, in our places of work, there's too much for just you and me to accomplish. The Lord needs everyone involved in the work and has given each of us unique strengths to be able to engage in this. When Jesus Christ walked the earth in his ministry, he called 12 disciples to carry on the work, recognizing that he wouldn't be able to meet the needs of all of God's children himself. The 12 then called the 70, and the process of delegating authority and responsibility has rolled forward ever since into the restoration of the gospel on the earth. So the next time that we're starting to cringe at home, at work, or at church, when someone proposes a solution or a strategy for accomplishing something that's different than how we might have done it, let's try to be open-minded and remember that their way might just be better. And if we can really be humble during the process, we may actually learn something ourselves. Thank you for listening today, and I'll see you next week.